Welcome to part three of the Network as a Service Journey podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider. I'm your host, Matt Langan. Step three in the NAS journey, the new management network systems, will become flexible, reliable, secure, and cloud-centric on the final stages of an agency's transformation journey. This shift allows for application performance monitoring and full IT service management. And finally, the agency will progress to a full integration of automation and end-to-end experience monitoring. The real-time innovation at the fourth stage enables agencies to act more proactively and less reactively. And with complete versatility and full incorporation of wireless technology at scale, there will be a heightened focus on end-user experience enabled by IoT, AI, and ML. And managed network partners help guide agencies along their network-as-a-service transformation journey to modernize their networks. And here we are. We are at part three, the final episode of this podcast series. And once again, we are joined by Brett Bargans, who is the product manager at Verizon, and Scott Anderson, who is the distinguished solution architect at Verizon, who will be discussing the move from step three to step four in an agency's NAS journey. Brett and Scott, as always, thanks for your time and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's a pleasure. Let's keep with the same flow that we've been doing before. Brett, would love to get your take and an overall perspective on moving from step three to four. Absolutely. Well, I will not cover the same ground we talked about in our previous podcast, but just as a refresher, we talked about going from basic to efficient, from efficient to enhanced, and now we're talking about going from enhanced to innovative. And here, the connectivity we're talking about is 5G, right? Potentially all of your network at some point in the future. Significant adoption before that, though. Management, you're looking at as a service, right? This is where we transition from a management partner to an as a service partner. Security, we're talking about full enablement of a zero trust architecture. And I can get into a little bit more detail about what that looks like when we get into the call. But security, zero trust architecture. Visibility, we've moved from application performance monitoring to end user experience monitoring, right? Scott kind of touched on this during our last call, but if you have the best applications on the planet, but people are having challenges accessing them or using them, right? Still not the best applications. And finally, for automation, we're talking full integration, right? Almost all of your network functions automated, very little thinking and active management that the customer would have to do. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate that rundown as always. And let's get on with our first question really in this interview. So as agencies transition to the really the final stages of their transition journey, what are the critical aspects they need to really have in place throughout the network? And as always, we'll start with Brett. Great question, truly. And I think truly an innovative network should offer incredible speed and capacity to all users, regardless of their location, with seamless transitions, right? That's what I think about with that sort of network, the innovative networks. The network should transition out of users' awareness, right? They should not think of it anymore. Things like poor application performance, drops, low quality voice or video feeds, those should be things of the past, right? We don't think about the network anymore because those things just don't happen. And your performance monitoring should give you a robust view of how they experience your network. You want to understand as the management partner and also the customer, right? How are the users experiencing your network? And hopefully it's flawless and seamless. The model should be a full management by your partner who's completely integrated with your network and your IT service management system, a frictionless experience, And then finally, the security should be full zero trust with your users having access to only those apps 
when they need them and having frictionless network provisioning for all of your apps and your security features, right? So essentially the network fades into the background, your partner's doing all the work, your management is simply looking at how your users are experiencing your network and suggesting how you want it updated, but it's your partner as a service providing it to you. Awesome. Thanks, Brett. Scott, would love your take as always. Yeah. So I'll try to keep this one short. I know so far in this podcast series, I, I've run long on all my responses, but you know, I did want to say a couple of things. First of all, you know, all the pieces that we've mentioned, you can implement those as a basic customer, although you're going to be managing them, you're going to be running them. And the value proposition really is the automation that we're able to layer over the top. But now we're getting into a realm that really, to, this is why I love networks. This is why I'm a network guy. Now we're into the concept of what I call the learning network. That is a network that pays attention. That is a network that is working right next to your IT team to say, hey, guys, we need to do some changes. We need to route. That's a network that we can literally say, Brett's a critical person. Matt's a critical person. Scott, we don't really care about, so he's not critical. And then Brett and Matt's traffic would take precedent over mine on the network. Or perhaps we can say, you know, Seattle is a critical location for our company. I don't know, say Baskin Ridge, New Jersey, for some reason, that small little New Jersey town comes to mind for me. It's a critical location on our network. Therefore, traffic in those locations are priority. Other locations may not be priority, but the network learns and pays attention because when a critical person leaves a critical location and goes to a non-critical location, the network needs to be aware of that and adapt to that evolution, that change. Now, one person in that location has critical packets. And we all know there are people in the world that have critical packets. If you're setting up a network for the White House, POTUS is a person that has critical traffic. Everything POTUS does and says, everything POTUS sends is critical traffic. So. I'm not trying to be discriminatory and say, oh, well, we're going to pick special people. It's not about special people. It's about people that have messages that are critical. And that can change, too. And the network has to be able to evolve, to learn how to do that with the structure that it has. So the learning network is the value proposition that organizations get to. So while you can deploy those pieces parts before, you can put zero trust in you know, way back as a basic customer, you can have to manage it. It's a little bit harder. In the learning network, we're able to apply the security different ways. We're able to respond to security breaches differently because it's an automated process. It's a machine intelligence-driven process that will ultimately deliver a better, more effective, faster network. Great. Thanks, Scott. Great insights there as always. And let's switch over to some of the benefits that managed services provide. And, you know, let's start with Brett. Brett would love to hear more about that part of it. Absolutely. And I will try not to sound like a broken record with this, but it's going to be a similar message, right? Network and security are complicated and they're unforgiving, right? Customers can't afford to be without either. Government customers in particular cannot afford to be without their network and cannot afford to be exposed, right? And they require specialized resources, which are scarce, right? Network and security resources, hard to come across these days, and it's not likely to change in the near future. And neither of these things, network or security, are core functions for our government customers. A management partner can take those burdens off of the customers, right? 
We provide expertise, experience, breadth, and depth of services that's quite incredible. Customers don't need to try and do this on their own, right? A managed partner takes that burden from them. Excellent. Scott, any feedback on that one? Yeah, I'd like to build a little bit on what Brett said, because it's an excellent point. And just to build the story a little bit further, when you talk about picking a partner, I've done this, as I said, either the last or a couple of podcasts ago, you know, I've been doing this for more than a year. Distinguished at Verizon, when you get that in front of your architect title, just means you have a lot of gray hair. But when we think about, you know, this concept of a partner, look, the reality is any one human being has a finite amount of information that they know. And this is not a knock on anybody. It's just simply the reality of information. We all know X amount. Some of us are smarter and may know X plus one. I know I'm a little slower, so I know X minus one. But when you think about it, we all know roughly X amount of information. The question isn't what you know. The question is what you can find out. Now, if you have a network crisis and you reach out to the Internet, the likelihood is you're going to find 50 solutions to your problem. Problem is you have 50 solutions of which 49 are not going to work and only one that does. And, you know, if you're a lucky person and you've just bought the winning Powerball ticket, you probably already quit your job and went off to collect your Powerball winnings. But, you know, if you're a lucky person, you know, it's the first or second one you pick. But the likelihood is, like me, you know, when I go through these things, it's usually number 42 or 43. Now, if you pick the right partner, your partner picks up the phone and calls the mothership because the mothership's experienced the same problem already, already knows exactly what the solution is to the problem, and the partner is able to solve that problem quickly and effectively. One phone call. That is the value that a partner brings to you in this scenario. Back to you, Matt. Awesome, as always. And here we are, guys, at the use cases question. Brett, I'll throw this out to you again. Did you want to start with this one? I know you've had some really good ones in the past, but I know you passed a heavier baton on to Scott since he has more customer-facing experience, but I'll let you go ahead and speak. I'll do the same this time too, Matt, because Scott will have a greater breadth of experience with their customers. But I'll just start off with the zero trust because that's something that customers ask about, but and particularly our government customers, because it's a big deal for them. Some of the regulatory authorities are asking them, commanding them to move towards it, right? So zero trust, the concept again is only access. Each of your users has only the access to the applications they need when they need the access, right? And they want them authenticating at the beginning of a session and throughout the session to make sure that it is them, that they're accessing the application that they need and not anything else. And we can do that with a number of technologies. The thing to point out here is we've talked about a number of different technologies you can implement earlier on in our podcasts, endpoint detection response, managed detection response, all that good stuff. Zero trust is not a product. It's a concept. It's an architecture you're trying to achieve. And you need a partner with very sophisticated network capabilities to offer that to you. Many partners will suggest they can make that happen for you, but without a broad portfolio of offerings, they may not be able to, right? So you're going to need endpoint detection response, managed detection response. You're also going to need the ability either through cloud solutions or through a software-defined perimeter type solution to make sure that there is a gateway between your users and the apps that you want to access and that only your users can get through that, right? That's the concept. So without a broad portfolio, it could be difficult for a partner to enable a customer to do that. So again, critical 
which partner you choose to make that happen. Is the next journey concept for security, it's going to be an essential one. Government customers are going to need to make that happen, and you got to choose the right partner to do it for you. Mr. Scott? Yeah, Scott, love to hear some more use cases from you. Well, I'm going to dive down the path of the learning network a little bit. So I'm going to give you some use cases based on the core concept of what is a learning network. You know, the first one is, and, you know, Brett talked about having the security infrastructure in place. One of the things that you get once your network is run has this machine intelligence that's operating within the infrastructure. You know, you've got this learning network. One of the things the learning network can do is if it detects that a location within your network has been breached, it can shut that location off, turn it off, go, you know, I don't know, notify the administrator who picks up the phone, calls the administrator at that site and says, yo, dude, you've been hacked. You know, we're not going to let you back on the network until we know you're safe. But the learning network is going to be able to do that. It's going to be able to respond to those types of things much faster than a human being can. You know, we, as human beings, we see patterns very effectively, but we are also distracted by the guy in the cube over whistling or the argument between, you know, the husband and wife uh, three cubes over. So you have that distraction level. So the learning network is able to respond to that, which is a value proposition for customers as they head down the path. The next tier, right, is the network being able to respond to routing requirements, right? I talked a little bit earlier in previous podcasts about, you know, we've got this critical Teams call or this critical G Suite call or Hangouts call or whatever the heck, you know, you're using, be it, oh, wait, maybe you should use BlueJeans. You probably won't have this problem with BlueJeans, but WebEx or Zoom or whatever product you're using, you need to have the ability for the network to respond if there are problems and it's a critical call. So that's a kind of another thing that you can look at. What another thing that the learning network can support? So better integrated security, better security response, better security provisions. Then you have the concept of the network being able to help you route traffic based on the software that's currently being used. And that takes us to that next tier, you know, this concept of application aware routing. I talked about user aware routing where I know certain users are critical. And those users always need to get their packets through. For most of us, if we are in an ambulance, we want to know that the ambulance attendant that is providing first aid or saving our lives, we want to know that whatever information they need from the hospital, they are getting, utilizing a connected ambulance, utilizing the services, you know, utilizing 5G and utilizing the ability to get that information that the learning network is capable of handling that type of transaction. If you think about an ambulance, it's moving down a street, probably 50 to 60 miles an hour. It's moving between towers very quickly in the cellular world. We want to be able to maintain that. So the learning network responds by being aware and being ahead of the game, making sure that you arrive safely at the hospital with the telemetry data about whatever it is that happened to you already in the doctor's hands. So when the doctor walks out and pulls the gurney out with the uh, EMTs, they know what has to happen next. They know what's wrong with you. They know what needs to happen. So, you know, that's kind of the next thing, right? The right information at the right time in the right place for people to act quickly and effectively and efficiently. The use case for the learning network, but more importantly, the use case for that ultimately software-driven network of tomorrow with application-aware routing. Perfect. Awesome. Thanks, guys. 
And really, what solutions can agencies achieve as they move to the final stage of their journey? And again, we'll start with Brett. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. And to kind of build on Scott's point, right, the solutions that folks will use and the benefits they'll achieve, what we see mostly here is 5G usage, multi-access edge compute, which is a fancy way of saying moving infrastructure and a cloud platform closer to the customer, whether it's in our switching center or onto their own premise, and network as a service, right? Those will be the things that we use to approach those speeds, the capacity, the interconnectivity that match even the most demanding applications needs, right? To kind of go back to what I talked about at the beginning, a network so robust and expansive that it becomes an afterthought. It's not something you have to consider anymore. You're consuming a service. Your users don't think about it. Your management team just thinks about the user experience and very little else. Okay, great. Scott, anything to add to that? Yeah, so, and, you know, there's a concept that I like to share with people about the modern world and kind of how IT and, and how evolution and how this stuff works. And Brett brought up Mech, and Mech kind of jogged my memory about this. I always tell people there's what I call the enterprise resource triangle. There's three distinct components being a triangle that has three points. The first point is the device. The second point is the landscape. And the third point is the destination. Now, if you think about it, the destination can be infinitely variable. It can be co-location. It can be cloud. It can be your local data center. It can be a managed data center run by somebody else. So you have a number of a variety of destinations. The device is likely to be, you know, either that mobile phone, that tablet, or that laptop or that desktop device, or maybe it's a DAS device, device as a service where you're connecting to the cloud to use your device. The landscape is the network. That's how you get there, that connectivity, that learning environment that pays attention to how those two devices are working together. When you add MEC, what you now do is you push to the edge of all three of those areas user connectivity. So if you think about what we can build and what the customer can deliver is this network that is able to respond not only to you know security threats and routing threats and things like that, but also a network that is capable of paying attention. You know, the first time through, I mean, I can remember years ago working with a customer and you know trying to replicate information on their network on the last day of the month, you know, only to have the CIO go. You, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to replicate information the last day of the month. You know, we shut all the services down because we have to replicate our accounting data. It has to be done. If we don't do it, we're in, you know, we pay a penalty with the IRS. Well, that's a business problem. You know, we can't do anything else on our network. And the reality is with the learning network, the learning network is going to be aware instead of shutting the network down, it's going to begin shunting traffic into smaller pipes, send it down the Fios pipe, send it down the 5G work pipe, send it down the long-term evolution or 4G LTE pipe. Allow the network to be resilient. As Brett said, I, I like this you know, set and forget kind of concept. When the network becomes IT's partner, when IT looks around and goes, well, the one thing we know is working is our learning network. It's paying attention, learning, and helping us be better at what we're trying to do. Back to you, Matt. All right, perfect. I can't believe we are here. We are at the final question in the final podcast of this podcast series. And always the final question is, any parting thoughts? And we'll start with Brett on that. Absolutely. Well, first, I'll start off with 
thanking you for the opportunity. It's been a great pleasure to do these three podcasts. I appreciate getting a chance to talk to you and also to our customers about something that obviously Scott and I are rather passionate about, network as a service and the, the journey through it. But otherwise, the things we talked about today may to many seem aspirational, right? Like things in the distant future. But I can tell you that they're not. These are well within our reach. With our rapid expansion of 5G, which we rolled out to more than 100 million customers with our C-band launch earlier this year, with our multi-access edge compute solutions that we have available today and our network as a service offerings that we have available today, this is not a distant vision. It's something that we can do. It's well within our grasp. We understand that not all customers can take up all of these things to their fullest extent right now, but we want to be their partner to walk through the journey with them and we'll meet them wherever they're at and take them the rest of the way. So that would be my final thought as well, again, as a thank you for having me and I'll let Scott. Awesome. Thanks, Brad. Great parting shots. Scott, would love to hear your last thoughts. Well, I'll echo what Brad said. You know, thanks for having us, Matt. It was a lot of fun and I always enjoy when somebody asks hard questions. So thank you very much for all the interesting and unique questions. My parting shot is simply this, and I'm going to kind of build a little bit on what Brett said, which is, you know, it's a journey. You know, some of these things do appear to be aspirational. Some of these things do appear to be outside of the reach of where we are today. But I can tell you right now, there are customers on this journey already. There are customers that are a lot further along than you would believe. Heading down this path of building networks that are resilient, structured, learning and aware and delivering the services that the organization consistently needs in order to build and deliver the things that they deliver. So if we think about a government agency, it's all about the mission. Being able to deliver the mission is critical. And if you can deliver the mission faster, if you can deliver the mission more reliably, and you can deliver the mission more cost-effectively, then you know, you've achieved the goals, and that is what NAS is all about. NAS is all about helping you along that journey. Our framework is very solid, will help you get to the dream state of a network that knows what you need before you even realize you need it. Thanks again, Matt. Really appreciate the time today. Absolutely. What a great way to end this podcast series. And as you heard, this concludes our final episode of the Network as a Service Journey podcast series hosted on Government Technology Insider, where Brett Bargans, who is a product manager at Verizon, and Scott Anderson were kind enough to discuss the move from step three to four in an agency's NAS journey. And again, Brett and Scott, this was a lot of fun. Really appreciate all of your great insights. And once again, thanks for joining us in this podcast series. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Matt.